It's showtime. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. You know, the right to bear arms is because that's the last form of defense against tyranny. Washington is fundamentally corrupt. There are more words in the IRS code than there are in the Bible. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Blunt Force Truth. I'm your host, Mark Young. Sitting next to me is our trusted engineer, Matt Umbarger. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, doing pretty good. Good morning, Mark. We're going to have a uh, we're going to have a great guest on today, and I've got a couple other topics I want to talk about, including with our guest. Uh, a couple things I want to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about um, LLJ Cool J Boy. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that involve. Uh, I'm trying to think best way to put this. I guess we're going to discuss is. Is Joe Biden and or the Democrats, are they the are they the defenders of the black community or are they actually very secretive, subliminal racists? Yeah, that's a good point. Because I because I kind of think they are, but but we're yeah. into that. And mm-hmm. uh, a couple of things I want to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Halloween. Uh, I want to talk about the president bailing out of the New Hampshire primary. Interesting. He's not mm. going to throw his name in the ring in the New Hampshire primary. And I want to touch on uh, why why is Joe Biden not sanctioning Iran? And why has he lifted all of the rules and embargoes that we have on Venezuela? He's got Spain and the EU trying to hop on that train, too. And you know who's helping Venezuela build a huge oil refinery in Venezuela? Oh, I can't imagine. What country would that possibly be? I have no idea who would do that. And if, by the way, if I'm China right now, I'm invading Taiwan right. If now. I'm in China right now, I'm 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 getting, getting ready, ready to just go close Taiwan so down. Because nobody's gonna do anything. So, folks, let's start by getting our guests involved. Our guest today is Terrace Todd, who uh, as we discussed off air, is actually from Michigan. A local guy. So, yeah, local guys are both. So, Terrace is with the Project 21. We love the people of Project 21. All great. Always have great guests from there. And, uh, Terrace, tell us a little bit about yourself, because you've worked for the White House. You've been in, you've been involved in in the swamp. Tell us about <laughs> your background. <laughs> well, first of all, Mark, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, truly a blessing to be here. Um, just a little bit about myself. Yeah, born and raised in the city of Battle Creek, Michigan, in Southwest Michigan. Uh, uh, born and raised there. Uh, I'm the youngest of three boys um, to a single mother. And um, I grew up and graduated high school and came here to the great Commonwealth of Virginia uh, for college, fresh out of high school to Norfolk State University. And then I ended up transferring back to Michigan and where I got my degrees from Western Michigan University. I got both my undergrad and graduate degrees in education there. And then from there, I worked for the Battle Creek Public School District for about 15 years as a teacher and then an administrator at the secondary level. And I also did some um, adjunct work at uh, Kellogg Community College there in the city of Battle Creek. Um, I married, uh, happily married to my wonderful wife, Karen, who is now working at Western Michigan. Um, in the communications department, she does a lot of the speech writing for the president there. And so, um, but we have three amazing daughters. Um, 
that are uh, in college and one on her way to med school. Uh, she graduated from Michigan State University, our oldest daughter, and then I have one at Western and one at Clark Atlanta University. Um, uh, with me, uh, due to my background in politics, education, and uh, ministry, for the most part, um, uh, I found myself in 2019 getting a call from uh, Washington, D.C., and this is what started uh, this movement. Well, actually, it didn't start it. Um, I was actually prophesied to by my bishop, Bishop Hugh Smith uh, of the Jabula International Network. And he told me that the Lord was sending me to Washington. And I said, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, he said, yes. <laughs> and, I, and this was about 10, 10 years or so ago and, um, and never knew how I was going to get here. But I had risen to a place of um, leadership in the uh, Michigan Republican Party. I was one of the vice chairs there. And then lo and behold, in January of 20, I ended up getting an email from the White House, from the, the Trump administration to come to the, um, uh, Washington, D.C. And I was appointed by the White House to the U.S. Department of Education, where I served as the executive director for the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African-Americans. I know that's a long title, but I served there uh, honorably. And we did a lot of great things there under um, Secretary Betsy DeVos. Uh, and the team there. And from that point, I ended up getting a call from the Heritage Foundation there on Capitol Hill in Washington, where I served honorably there as well as the advisor of coalitions engagement. And so, um, so yeah, so I've been out here um, in the Commonwealth the whole time uh, of Virginia uh, since I've served in the, in the Trump administration and since I also served with the uh, Heritage Foundation. And so here I am now, I'm, I'm here now and um, I've, for perfect disclosure, I have just recently also uh, filed to run as uh, the next congressional candidate for Virginia 7, uh, the congressional district of Virginia 7. Virginia, and um, I'm believing God, man. I'm believing God for this run, and I'm looking forward to serving the great people of this commonwealth. And uh, So anyway, that's a little bit me in a nutshell, but there's more, but I'm sure we'll have time for that another time. Well, and uh, I just want people to know also, so... Uh... Harris is actually an ordained minister. Okay. He has authored a book, and we'll put a link to the book in the show notes. Okay. Uh, the book is Just Being There, A Parent's Guide to Raising Children. Mm -hmm. And he also hosts uh, his own podcast. So let's mm -hmm. put links to the podcast. Podcast is called In the Classroom. Uh, before we get into some of the Biden stuff, I want to ask you a question as an educator. Mm -hmm. um, the superintendent, of um what school district is this dr ronald j taylor <clears throat> ronald j taylor superintendent of the south orange and maplewood school district that's new jersey mm. he has canceled halloween because it's racist <laughs> wow that's it i've never heard that one in 50 years of my life i've never heard halloween was racist I want to say, as, as a black man, did you ever find <laughs> Halloween to be a racist event in the past 50 years? No, I found Halloween to be uh, more of a spooky, kind of a dark thing, but never a racist thing. <laughs> I, absolutely. I could see you as, as an ordained minister. I could see you saying Halloween's got some issues, but but not racism isn't one of them. Yeah. Did he clarify what what part of it was racist? Well, apparently at this school, they actually have, I mean, you can see why there's no money to teach anybody. 
The school actually has a a dean of equity and and inclusion. So they they have one guy in this school apparently, probably a whole department that's involved with inclusion. <laughs> and the issue that they have here is that uh, it's it's a racist event, and it does it's not inclusive. Mm. I you're a ghost. I'm I'm a pirate. The pirates yeah. don't like the ghosts. The ghosts don't fit in well with the pirates. Uh, so there's an inclusion issue going on here. Wow. Is this what is how does Halloween violate equity? Because what well, you know, afford a better costume. Is that the problem? You know what, uh, Mark? I don't know. You know, I don't put anything past some of these people. I mean, you know, I remember they said math was racist, for goodness sake. Um, but these are the same people who won't tell you that the the vast majority of people who fill those diversity, equity, and inclusion positions are are white. The vast majority. I mean, I think like 70, 80 percent of them that have those positions are not people of ethnic minorities. And um, uh, and so they never want to tell you that. They just want to virtue signal and uh, keep this wheel going on racism. And uh, so anyway, I think it's absolute lunacy. Uh, but again, like I said, I'm not surprised uh, of anything that comes from the left at all, because again, uh, they just make logic look just far from, from being reached at some times. Well, according to them, it um, here's here's why it's racist. School-sponsored Halloween activities creating indirect and unintentional financial hardships for students and families. So, do school-sponsored Halloween activities violate the dignity of some of our students and family, either culturally or religiously? So I would say, yeah, the white kids probably shouldn't show up in blackface. That's probably, I think, yeah, agree on that one, <laughs> right? Uh, and then it uh, it promotes so by promoting school sponsored Halloween activities, the district would be creating tensions with the equity and access values of the district. Wow, you know, again, Mark, it's like Kamala uh, Harris wrote this. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, and and there's a whole a whole show worth of information to talk about with her. But but again, the, these people are um, these people are uh, a lot of times they just keep the racism and the division going. I mean, they're the cause of all of the divide that we have, much of the divide that we have. Uh, and I know you mentioned earlier about um, just you know just from a political standpoint, just the racism that has been. Lord out, you know, those who focus on it, those are the ones who are it, <laughs> you know, and but it's not racist to them to pass someone on when they're not ready. It's not racist to them to graduate students only reading at a third grade reading level. It's not racist to them, like here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, in that school district, I think it was in Fairfax County, that withheld Asian students from receiving scholarships that they rightfully earned. You know, see, those things aren't racist to them, but Halloween is racist. Yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> it seems to be okay to be racist against Asians. Yeah, that's some crazy stuff. And they rightfully earned it. That's what makes it so bad. Now, that is racist because you are withholding someone from making advances in life. So, 
And really racism is tied to economics. It's, it's about power and control. It's about leverage, you know, uh, to the demise of others, you know, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, if you get someone that rightfully earned uh, the opportunity to have, to, you know, tuition or scholarships to go towards their tuition and advancing their own careers, if you withhold that back, that is racist. So I just read a uh, very interesting report, and it was a report on it was a very well done report on reparations. Mm -hmm. And I know math is racist, but this particular group, which I believe was the Heritage Foundation, decided they were going to put some math to it. Yeah. And they figured they decided that to actually cross the income barrier. Mm -hmm would require reparations between 420000 and $1.2 million per person. Mm. And that there would be about 35 million Black Americans who would qualify mm. for the reparations based on heritage, because mm. not all Black people came right. from But then they did the flip side. Mm -hmm. And the flip side was, they said, well, if we're going to pay reparations to black people whose heritage goes to slavery, then it only makes sense that the reparations be paid by people whose heritage goes back to slavery. <laughs> and what we found was that 70% of the population of the United States yeah doesn't have family that ties back pre-1865 in the United States. Yeah, yeah. So myself as an example, I'm a first-generation American. Mm -hmm. My family came from Canada and the UK. Yeah. So their point was, well, then we have to put this burden on 30% of the population. Mm hmm now, the dollars, depending on whether you went to the low end at 420 or the high end at 1.2 million, the number came in between 15 and 50 trillion dollars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we would literally have to extract a minimum of 15 trillion dollars from 30% of the population, which just to put that in perspective, folks. The entire U.S. economy this year is what eighteen trillion. The whole economy, every every last dollar earned <laughs> here, yeah, every dollar by a hundred percent of the you know country. Every dollar earned and spent for the year is eighteen trillion dollars. So, mm -hmm. what I'm talking about saying is we have to extract an entire year of the entire nation's wealth. Yeah, but we have to extract it from thirty percent of the population. Mm. But this gets even more interesting because a large number of the evil rich in this country, because as you know, wealthy people are evil. <laughs> well, a large portion of the evil rich people are immigrants. Yeah. Or children of immigrants. Mm -hmm. So even the most evil of all evil guys, Elon Musk, you wouldn't. Yes, sir. You wouldn't even be able to ask him for any money to pay for this. Yeah, he's African American. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't here. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, have yeah, to pay yeah. it. I don't have to pay it. You can't can't come to me with the bill. That's right. So, where do you think this is going? Is this? And, and let me put this in perspective of a bigger of a bigger 
picture. When we look at this doctor, what's his name? Dr. Ronald Taylor or Ilhan Omar or AMC mm -hmm. or uh, Elizabeth Warren or the the people coming after the reparations. Mm -hmm. Do you think these people even believe what they're doing or is this just an issue of the crazier I sound, the more media I get? That's right. No, Mark, you hit the nail on the head. Um, and truthfully, uh, I agree with you 100% where how about we target those who were involved, you know? Um, and truthfully, uh, let's be honest, if, if we're going to task 30% of the population with that, how about even let's go back further? You know, what about those who sold them into slavery? What about those nations? Are those nations who sold them into slavery, is there conversation with that group as well? Um, but but again, here in the United States of America, I think um, these people that are elected leaders or those in leadership, and again, it's virtue signaling. It's it's a mockery of black Americans. That's exactly what it is. It's it's to make you think I'm really concerned about, you know, righting the wrongs, which I really know deep within my heart, it's never going to happen. And that's the, that's the case. That's just the honest to God truth. Reparations on that level will never happen in this country. And let's just be honest. I mean, you know, um, that's not just mathematically the, possible. It's not mathematically possible. Like you said, 18 trillion in one year for 30 percent of the population. That means bankrupt them. Bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll bring a nation to its knees, which uh, it seems like we're kind of on that path right now. <laughs> Actually. Tell me what you think of this thought. When I look at the thought and I say I'm going to assess a 15 to 50 trillion dollar debt to 30 percent of the population. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no way that that 30 percent of the population can pay that. That's right. No way. So what do I need to do? I need to put them into servitude mm -hmm. and their generations to come mm -hmm. into servitude to pay this. Because yeah. their children and their grandchildren are going to be enslaved to work to pay this off. That's right. How does that make sense in anyone's mind? It doesn't. Yeah, you can't make that make sense. Regardless of which way you turn it, it makes no sense whatsoever. My great-grandparents were a slave, which was wrong. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to turn your children into slaves. Yeah, and also I'm cashing in on their pain. Now, now get a load of this. So being a black man, um, what that sounds like is I'm cashing in on their pain and suffering of those who have, you know, that I'm like four and five generations removed from. But yet, so, so I want to cash in on their pain, but not bring in their values, which was they believed in God. They believed in marriage. They believed in family. They believed in being responsible, individual responsibility. They believed all of that. So I throw away what they valued and the principles they gave me, but yet I want to cash in on their pain and suffering. Makes right. no I, sense so to I me. I will not honor them. I will only take from them. That's right. And that's exactly what it is, sir. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Now, and, and, and just to be honest, I mean, uh, there are cases, you know, if we were to work backwards, for example, uh, just you know, a few decades ago or whatever, there are families here since maybe the 50s and 60s that have had land and things taken from them unjustly. 
you know, that we can we can talk about those kind of things. But to go all the way back to enslavement, uh, then it gets a little bit more hairier. Then. It gets a little more muddy. So. Part of my background, I'm a doctor of psychology and neuroscience. Okay. And there are some great experiments that have been conducted that show that trauma mm-hmm. passed down in DNA. Oh, yeah. And the experiments were done, a lot of these were done as mice studies. And they would take mice and they would expose them to trauma. Mm-hmm. Then they would have the mice have baby mice and they would see that the baby mice were born with the same trauma. They were born with that same fear. Yeah. And then they started doing multiple generations. So my point is, it is completely possible Mm -hmm. that your DNA contains trauma Mm -hmm. from something that happened to your great, great, great grandfather. True. It's absolutely possible. Yeah. Now, by the way, my grandparents, my mother grew up in World War II London. Mm. They they lived in the city where Hitler dropped bombs every night. Yeah. Okay, so that DNA is probably in my DNA. True. My question is, I believe, or my comment is, I believe it is possible for us to recognize. Mm-hmm that a group of people can have trauma. That's right. But I think it's wrong to say we can resolve the trauma by throwing cash at it. Mm-hmm. I don't think cash is the solution to the trauma. Mm-hmm. No amount mm-hmm. of cash is going to remove the attacks of Hitler that is probably existing in in my DNA. Yeah. Well, and then even just from uh, a generational standpoint, when we look at Black Americans in general, despite much of the trauma that they faced, uh, let's say in the 20s, uh, in the 1920s, during some of the most segregated and tumultuous times of our history, they still thrived. Uh, When we talk about Black Wall Streets, we always make reference to parts of Tulsa, Oklahoma, but yet there were Black communities thriving all over this country. Richmond, Virginia, Detroit, Winston-Salem, and the list goes on and on, New York, Philadelphia. So so Blacks thrived despite the trauma they had. And those people in the 20s were closer to slavery than we are now. <laughs> but, but, but my point is, is that even though they were in some trauma, tra- very traumatic times, they still pressed past it. And, um, and they knew that, uh, again, even back then, they probably knew or more likely knew that they had to do for themselves. That's that individual responsibility. I can either sit down and wait for someone to come and rescue me, or I can get up off my rear end and believe the God of my salvation to take me further. And so that's what they did. And so I think it was a big part of their faith was a result of why they were able to press forward. So you look at statistics, and again, there's that that math again, the racist math. If you look at statistics, you see that prior to the year 1963, Mm -hmm. that two parent households in the black community appeared literally the same percentage as two parent white households in Mm -hmm. America. Mm -hmm. That, That marriage and nuclear family 
was yeah. equally important in the black community as it was in the white community. Yes, sir. Then in 1963, the Democrats decided we're going to demolish the black household. Mm-hmm. And our audience probably knows this, but I'll share it. And, and the reason that that happened was that was the Great Society signed by PJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when we decided, well, let's create a government assistance program mm-hmm. or welfare program. But let's make sure that the black man has to be kicked out of the house yeah. in order for a black family to get any of this aid. That's right. So we as a government mm-hmm. and the Democrats, we decided we're going to make the black community into a matriarchal society. Yeah. And we're going to turn the black male into a piranha. Mm-hmm. who needs to be kicked out of the house. Yeah. Do you agree with that, that that is what happened? That's absolutely what happened. And even to take it a step further, as a result of that, um, if we look at today, it seems like we're the only ethnic group uh, in this country that is going backwards. You know, um, you know, and what I mean by backwards is, is that, you know, it's said that in order to keep at pace of survival, you need to have uh, 2.1 births for every death. Well, uh, unfortunately, in the black community, uh, the last report I I saw was we're at 1.9. So there are more people dying than that are being born. And um, unfortunately, the black American community are the only ones that seems to be going in reverse instead of forward uh, when it comes to survival. And so But that's absolutely what happened. And what people need to understand is that they made for sure, they had a campaign that actually made sure that the black man was removed out of the home. They went door to door ensuring that. And so so now what you uh, essentially have, you have disrupted the very thing that holds society itself together. I have always said this, the cornerstone of every civil society is the family. Before there was government, there was family. Before there was organized institutions, there was family. God knew exactly uh, what was most important, and that was the family. And so so goes the family, so goes everything else. And they they were very calculating uh, in their approach to destroy uh, the Black family. And so that's something that I, that I strongly believe that we need to get back and make marriage uh, attainable and even uh, attractive again, because that's really what it's about. Yeah, and now and now they're destroying marriage in the white community too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So they they're equal employ <laughs> they're equal opportunity employers now. So so now what they're doing is creating a great divide between those that have and those who don't have. So uh, over the next decade or so, you're going to find out that there will be no middle class. It would either be those who have and those who actually need or those who don't have and will be depending on them. And that's why it's so uh, really unfortunate that those who have risen to uh, places of leadership, like in government, uh, they want you to depend on them. They've become this ruling class. You know, you would think that they would be honored to be there, honored to serve the people that actually elected them to be oh, there. But you're instead, honored, they've you're been, honored they're there. You yeah, you're honored. That's right. You're honored they're there. You should be, you know, uh, bowing down to them. You know, they're the wise and and in ruling class, you know, <laughs> we have created so, yeah. aristocracy. 
That's exactly right. You're absolutely right. And so, so anyway, we, we have to fight back and push back against that because now they're even coming after our children, you know, as you know, noted in uh, our schools and stuff today. So, so yeah, the good so news. They're getting them young. They're trying to indoctrinate them very young now. <laughs> the good news is that when we look through history at aristocracies, we always see they end up being demolished. That's right. That's right. Actually, the boot of tyranny on everybody's neck becomes more than people are willing to endure. That's right. And the people rise up against the aristocracy. That's right. And that's what's happening. And so you're right. That is some good news. And when we think of socialism, socialism, there's a couple of things that you have to have in socialism. You have to have you have to have the removal of God. That's right. Because the, the government becomes God. You can't mm-hmm. have two masters. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you have to have the destruction of the middle class. Mm-hmm. So then you you basically have two groups. You have you have the producers and you have the consumers. That's right. And, and that's exactly what's happening. Right. So is it true that rich people in America are getting richer? Yeah, it is true. Yeah. That divide is getting more broad. <laughs> it absolutely is true. Well, well and then it's not the fault of the wealthy that they're getting that they're making more money. That's right. You're absolutely right. You know, um I, last report I saw uh, it said that there are seventeen hundred millionaires made a day here in the United States. So if you're across the world, across the globe, I mean, you're going to try everything you can uh, to get here. And so that's exactly why you have a wide open southern border, which is uh, a, a complete failure of our federal government right now. Uh, but you have a wide open border and these people are literally coming here to to try and reach that, you know. And unfortunately, what's happening is. Um, this influx of people that are coming into this country illegally, mind you, uh, they're matriculating into a lot of these cities that actually voted, whose people voted for this kind of stuff. And so that's another thing that we need to also make for sure that people understand. And I think and I think they're waking up. I think they are waking up to this reality that the leaders that they are under, that they voted for, care absolutely nothing about them. So when you say a sanctuary city, well, that sanctuary is not for you. That's for those who are coming here. And and I think the folks in Chicago are seeing that to be true when they guarantee $51 million towards illegal immigrants versus those who are actually legalized citizens that's been there for decades. Have you been to O'Hare Airport recently? No, but they, well, not recently, but uh, they, they have homeless people in there. Yeah, the whole downstairs, I was just there, the whole downstairs in the luggage area mm-hmm. has become a homeless shelter. Wow. And they've put up a big black curtain, like a big uh, stage curtain. Mm. And they make them stay behind the curtain. Wow. And they have security that that if they come out from behind the curtain, there's security there that rounds them up and pushes them back behind the curtain. Very sad. What's really interesting is they won't let any of us go look behind the curtain. Yeah. If you walk over there and try to look behind the curtain... The security will keep you out. They'll push them in. They'll keep you out. Wow. The people behind the curtain are claiming that that the conditions are inhumane. I'm actually not doubting that they're probably inhumane. However, mm-hmm. you broke into our country. Yeah. 
Yeah, you talk about inhumane. So, so I thought you were seeking asylum. I thought where you were coming from was so inhumane that you came here illegally. <laughs> because I'm sure you can ask to go back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know the um, the folks that are in the, on the south side of Chicago. I was talking with a pastor there not long ago, and uh, he said, uh, matter of fact, he actually sent me a clip. And uh, these people are protesting city uh, city council for what they have not gotten yet. And now, now, mind you, they were holding up signs in English, speaking in Spanish. And it was funny because uh, Brandon Tatum, he pointed out the fact that one of these guys had on Air Jordans. <laughs> but, oh, they're living wonderful. <laughs> so when we look at the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party was the party of slavery. Yes, sir. The Democratic Party was the party that created the KKK. Yes, sir. The Democratic Party is the party that created the Black Laws. Mm -hmm. Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger. Yeah. Democrat. Margaret Sanger was a a eugenics fan of Hitler. Yep. Absolutely. Spoke to the Klan. Absolutely. And we can see how over 70% of all Planned Parenthood offices are located in a Black neighborhood. Yes, sir. Which affects that number that he was talking about. Too. Absolutely. We can see that current gun laws are meant to keep guns away from honest, legal-owning black citizens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can see that the decisions of 1963 under mm -hmm. LBJ was, as we discussed, was designed to demolish True. the black family. Mm-hmm. This can and today it is still going on. Yeah, it hasn't changed. Why do Democrat? Why do blacks continue to support the Democratic Party? Why do they? Why do they keep supporting their oppressor? You know that's a very good question because um, uh, to me there's no just one answer to that, and I and I think again. Because they do things like I mentioned earlier, they virtue signal. They uh, they may show up at an NACP dinner, uh, buy a table, donate, and then they get accolades for actually sponsoring and having their names in the booklets and all that stuff. So it's very unfortunate. But I think um, I think we're starting to see a turn, though. To be honest with you, uh, there are some people, as some would say, from the hood to the hills. Uh, there are some people that are waking up uh, to this fact that. These are individuals that have never been about them being free, truly free. No. And, 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 and interestingly, when I watch some of the reports and I watch some of the videos that are out there and they're literally just grabbing people off the street and questioning them. And it's amazing how, uh, how uh, informed some of them have become to the reality that where we are now and where we were just a few years ago is a vast difference, is night and day. And so I think it's, it's, it's slowly getting there, but not fast enough. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican. Mm -hmm. And his father. Yeah. When we look at when when we look at the things that are happening at this very moment, mm -hmm. the Democratic Party wants to resegregate schools. They want to resegregate colleges. They want to have separate dorms. They want to have separate graduations. Mm -hmm. This is what Martin Luther King worked to get rid of. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, and at the same time, tell you that you don't have a right to choose where to send your children to school, even though 70 to 80 percent of Americans, black, white, brown, you name it, are in support of you having the right as parents to decide where your children go. I think the the single thing that we could do in a in a pen stroke to increase the opportunities and the education of the black community mm-hmm. be to give every family vouchers for school of choice. Agree. Because yeah. now that family could decide where the best school is for their child. That's right. And now schools would start to compete for That's excellence right. with each go. other. But we can't do that. Because that's capitalism. <laughs> that's the but death. we can't do that because the unions control the Democratic Party. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. In it. I've had the privilege of meeting um, some wonderful people, some educators that are entrepreneurs that have actually launched their own schools. And these are Black Americans. These are Black people. Um, in the city of Atlanta, Washington, D.C., in Maryland, and so on. And so there's a young lady named Denisha Allen um, who works for the American Federation uh, of Children. Uh, She launched Black Minds Matter, and they have have this uh, conference every year that she launched um, just last year. I actually attended both of them. This one this year was in D.C., and so there's this growing network of Black Americans that are launching their own schools. And so I'm a vast supporter. I'm a big supporter of of choice in school and education and also the money following the child. And so so again, the homeschool community is growing as well. That is I mean, that's really growing. And so, again, when you're not satisfied with your current situation, uh, you have to make for sure you take opportunity to launch it yourself, because other than that, they're going to continue to keep doing what they're doing. They're controlled by the teacher union. You're absolutely right. The Democratic Party. One of their positions has been that voter ID is racist because black people aren't smart enough to be able to get an identification, a government identification. How could, tell me, is there any black person who isn't insulted by that comment? Yeah, well, you know, I actually saw some interviews of people in New York. Uh, for example, someone took to the street and they interviewed some people on the street just randomly. And they asked them, they said, um, uh, do you have an ID? It was like, sure. Uh, do you know where to get an ID? They said, yeah, the DMV is just over here on this street and this street. They said, oh, OK, well, um, because the Democrats are saying that you all um, don't don't know where to get ID. Don't they? they said, well, why would they say that? He said, of course, we have IDs and we know where to get it. You're supposed to have ID. You have ID for everything else. <laughs> you can't buy a six pack of beer without it, probably. Yeah, you can't travel without it, for goodness sake. <laughs> but what I don't understand is why, I guess what I'm not understanding is why is the black community not outraged over those type of insults? And then, and the last thing I want to add to that, the black community is amazing uh, in their faith and yeah. dedication to church. Yeah. Christian values and are supporting a party that is trying to destroy the church. Yeah. Well, if, if there was ever a case for brainwashing, you, you're, you're looking at it. Uh, but again, I think, again, we're making some slow progress, but not fast enough. But um, but you're right. They should be absolutely outraged. Now, it's interesting because in the black community, they will discuss this behind the scene. Like, for example, 
They know the history and the background uh, of that party. Uh, the same spirit that's controlled them for many, many years is the same spirit controlling that party to this day or those people to this day. And um, But they'll talk about it behind the scene, but coming out public, uh, I think this this fear of a backlash or this ostracizing and this rejection uh, that comes over some people, but but only those who have the courage to stand strong will will come out and speak out publicly. So I want to get to Biden here in a minute, but I, I want to ask you another question because I want to ask you a question that I'm going to put to you as a Christian and as a pastor. Sure. And I literally just had this conversation before this conversation with a uh, with a church leader. And I was asking him his opinion. Here's my question. When we look at San Francisco, Chicago, uh, mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., Baltimore, New York, these are cities, L.A., these are cities that are, been, that are being tossed into chaos. Mm -hmm. yeah. Seattle, Portland. We have mayors, we have prosecutors, we have members of Congress yeah. who are pro-crime. Mm -hmm. We get into the, the ones that are currently pro-terrorists, mm -hmm. but they're pro-crime. And we're going to we're going to make stealing a thousand dollars, you know, a civil a, a parking ticket now. It's not a crime anymore. Mm -hmm. We're going to get rid of cash bail. And we're going to do all these things to make these cities out of control. We're yeah. going to make it legal to live on the street. We're going to make it legal to use drugs in the public. Mm-hmm. So many people have asked me the question, why would any rational person want to destroy their own community? Yeah. I have only come up with one answer to that. Well, I've, mm -hmm. I have two answers to it, but one that is really making sense for me. My initial thought was, <clears throat> are they creating such a criminal environment that eventually Americans will say, okay, yeah, guns. Well, whatever you guys want, we'll give up our freedom just so we don't get killed. That's it. And I think that's I, I do believe that's part of the motivation. Yeah. But let me ask you as as a pastor, let me ask you another question. The. In the Bible, there are mm -hmm. several names for the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. One of those names is the man of lawlessness. Mm hmm. Are the Democrats, many of these people, the George Soros, the Bill Gates, the the prosecutors, are they actually operating under a demonic spirit hmm. and become tools of Satan to to usher in this era of lawlessness? Yeah. You know, um, and with that, I, I would even take it a little bit step further. It's a lot more broad than a political party. I, I think um, we know the enemy has an agenda. And I, I actually had mentioned this before. And I said, you know, our enemy is neither Democrat, Republican, black, white or brown, but it is rather an agenda that's being carried out by those who seek to divide and conquer the American people. And that's exactly what's happening. And so what we're seeing is you're absolutely right, 100%. I think it's to get these communities to tap out, you know, to finally throw up their hands and say, okay, we surrender. You are the almighty one. Uh, so government becomes your God. Government becomes your religion, so to speak. That's what they've made politics into is a religion. 
um, even though they're trying to destroy religion, but yet they become a religion, the, the worship of self. When we go all the way back to even when the when the serpent, so to speak, in the garden, when he spoke to Eve, uh, notice that when he approached Eve in the garden, he flat out appealed to her desire to be worshipped. We all know that Satan was cast down, cast out of heaven. He was Lucifer, but he was cast out of heaven because of his desire to be worshipped like God. And that's the same exact thing he used in the garden against Eve that caused her to disobey God. And remember, she had told him, she said, well, God had told us that if we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then we'll surely die. He then comes back and says, no, you shall not surely die. See, he's gaslighting her. God knows that if you eat from this tree, then you will be like him. So what does she do? She goes ahead and eats. Oh, you mean to tell me I could be like God? So that's a lot of what's happening now. So the enemy has really influenced a lot of people, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on. And um, he's influenced a lot of people to carry out his agenda. And we're seeing it right before our very eyes. And that's exactly why they're trying to target our children and why they destroy in our families, because they know if we can recruit them early on to buy into this, to buy into this agenda, then we'll be this way for decades. And then we'll really have a people that have tapped out. Hey, everybody, I want to take a minute to tell you about a product called Daily Zen. With, uh, with everything that goes on in the news today, um, guess what happens? We have something called a sympathetic and a parasympathetic nervous system. All of this craziness going on drives our parasympathetic nervous system. And that means, to put it plain, we're in this fight-or-flight mode all the time. Well, we need to get out of that. And things like meditation help and the right nutrition helps. And sometimes what helps is just turning the news off. Well, I want to tell you about a product. It's from Vitalia Life, V-A-T-E-L-L-I-A, life.com. It's called Daily Zen. Now, this is, and as you guys know, if you listen to this show, I'm, I'm really into longevity and really understand uh, a good practice great knowledge of nutrition to be honest with you the formula the blend on this stuff is amazing of what's in it it is a great formula now what this will do for you just so you understand this will act as an anti-inflammatory which our bodies become very inflamed from all the stress it reduces that stress and it increases it will help increase serotonin and why do you want to do that? Because serotonin will make you feel better. So this is called Daily Zen. And I hope you'll try it out. And I hope you'll let us know how it goes for you. It's Vitalia Life. Go to bluntforcetruth.com. Look in the show notes. You'll find a link there to it. Use the uh, discount code BFT, like Blunt Force Truth. Get 10% off. Or sign up for the, um, the subscription. And I think you get your first month for free. Go get it. You're going to love this stuff. And if there's ever a time in history that we need this, something to zen us out, it is right freaking now. So good luck with it. Thanks. So the pastor and I that were talking before this show came to the conclusion that <clears throat> those of us who call ourselves Christians <clears throat> probably need to do something that is completely 180 degrees 
opposite of what we feel we should be doing. Mm. And his comment was, we need to start praying for these far left-wing democratic leaders. Yeah. And not praying that they are successful at what they are doing, but praying that, that they are brought into the light. Yeah. That's a reasonable prayer. Yeah, and that and that and that goes across the world. You know, I pray for everyone. You know, I even pray for leaders of nations. I mean, right now, um, uh, I'm on the International Federation of Intercessors. Uh, we just had prayer last night, as a matter of fact, and we're praying for peace in Jerusalem, for example. You know, we're praying for peace in the Middle East. We're praying that the hearts of leaders, uh, regardless of where they are in the world, we're praying that their hearts would also be turned to God because God is able to do that. And so, yeah, so that's a reasonable ask as a believer. <laughs> that's Here, what we want. Why do we have why do we have people in our country? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna set Rashida Talib and Ilhan Omar aside for a minute. Yeah. Because they are just basically racist terrorist fans that somehow we've decided to elect to Congress. Yeah. But we have young people on the campuses across America, including schools like Harvard, mm -hmm. that are protesting that that are becoming pro-terrorist. Mm. And and I and I was fascinated with the interviews. I saw interviews of them. What do you think of the fact that that Hamas was cutting the heads off of babies and setting grandmas on fire? Are you okay with that? Well, that that didn't happen. No, it happened. Hamas point Hamas themselves po posted videos of yeah. doing yeah. it to their own social media site. That's right. People say, no, that's been debunked. What is happening? Why do we have people in our own country who have become pro-terrorism? Yeah. Well, and let me add to that. How does this affect America when we know that I will bless those who bless Israel and I will curse those who curse Israel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you make a good point. Well, but you got to look at our nation too. You know, um, we're also talking about a people who are okay with some of that happening right here in the country. You know, those who justify um, the taking of life here, you know, um, in, in some cities, they become very numb um, to death and destruction to the point where they won't even turn in the criminal that actually killed the person. <laughs> so so now to ask them to now all of a sudden recognize and identify the, the, the heads of babies being chopped off in another country, in another part of the world, and deny that, even though, like you said, the terrorists themselves have posted it and showed this is what we're doing to invoke fear and terror into the hearts of people. Um, it lets you know that there is another agenda at work. So it's not a right or left. It is definitely, like you said, it's a demonic agenda. It is truly the enemy influencing people and blinding the minds of them to think rationally. So these people are out picketing, mm -hmm. protesting, and literally carrying signs, death to Israel. Mm -hmm. And then they call us Nazis. Wow. Because if you support conservatism, if you support making America great again, mm -hmm. if you voted for Donald Trump, you're a Nazi. But we want to kill Jews. 
Yeah. How do they miss the definition of Nazi? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's so sad, it's laughable, man. I mean, you're absolutely right. Exactly. Um, You know, I also saw, I also had, um, I saw pictures uh, of not only Nazis, but also of ISIS and some of these other terrorist groups and some of the symbols when they had hailed Hitler, um, the same hand signals that the Nazis were using, some of these terrorist groups were using as well. So it's almost like they're this collective group. They have terror and destruction all in common. But it was really interesting to see that. And I was like, wow, yeah, they're all using the same hand signals. But but you're absolutely right. You see Elizabeth Warren on stage. Oh, yeah. Constantly giving people the Heil Hitler salute. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, there's no telling because she's an Indian. She's, she's, she's everything. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's jump to Joe Biden. Oh, Lord, we're getting on Joe. All right. <laughs> Is Joe Biden a racist? Yes. Tell, tell uh, me. You, you, you see how quick I said that, right? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a lot of thought. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't I, I've, I've thought about it and must. Listen, uh, Listen, they said the a time in, in Kamala Harris's life that she was correct. <laughs> yeah. But she called Joe Biden a racist during the day. Yeah, which was ironic that he chose her to be his vice president. <laughs> but essentially, you have the number one and number two people in this country uh, who have locked up more black men in general uh, than any other leadership in this country ever in the history of this country, you know. Uh, Joe Biden with the 94 crime bill, who he said he also had the blessing of the Congressional Black Caucus. And I believe he said the NACP. Don't correct me. Don't quote me on that. But I thought he said the NACP as well. But he definitely said the Congressional Black Caucus. He had their blessing to initiate the 94 crime bill, which gave three, which, you know, included three strikes law that locked up people for life after they made, you know, three, um, three felonies. But then you also have that he personally influenced John uh, Strom Thurmond. Yeah. Vote for the Civil Rights Act when he was 20 years old. That's right. (laughs) Even in Washington. Yeah. Isn't that something? That was in between when he was marching with with Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Joe Biden, uh, just to get on him, I mean, uh, President Biden, I call him Jim Crow. You ain't Black Joe. Um, he he has been he has been the same for decades, and people know that. I mean, you know, years ago he said you can't walk into a a Seven Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts without a slight Indian accent. Um, he said he didn't want his children being raised in a racial jungle. Um, Kamala Harris blasted him on stage, and then somehow she ends up being his vice president. Uh, and the list goes on and on. He actually eulogized the funeral, him and others like him, uh, eulogized the funeral of a former Klansman, Senator Robert Byrd of West Virginia. But no, um, uh, Hillary explained that. Yeah, well, Hillary called black people, Hillary called trouble black youth super predators with no conscience. <laughs> but, but Hillary explained that Senator Byrd uh, apologized and changed his mind. Yeah, like she apologized. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that. So but, Joe Biden recently decided he was going to refer to a an a great Grammy winning mm-hmm. black artist by the name of LLJ Cool J Boy. 
So talk to us about that. How do you get LLJ Cool J Boy out of LL Cool J? Well, I'll tell you this. Like you said before, he had a teleprompter. Obviously, that education he got kind of slipped him. But, um, you know, it's kind of like they say a leopard can't change its spots, you know, and this is deeply ingrained in him. This is how you know uh, for certain that uh, it's just something that's in him. It's in his, like you said, it's in his DNA. He can't help himself, you know, to come out and also tell black people that they're not black if they don't vote for them or if they can't think for themselves and vote for whoever they want to, then they're not black. I mean, you know, that's absolutely crazy. And why black people are not infuriated is beyond me. But and like I said before, you know, they'll they'll state their concerns and they'll be outraged behind the scene. But when the camera's rolling, it's a different tune. But LL Cool J, just for the record, um, he's been an icon in the uh, hip hop world for decades, at yeah, least I, since I, I like since that. the. I've run into him several times in in the past few years. Oh, nice, yeah, yeah, real nice guy, nice. I, iconic. He's got hit songs. He's got very smart guy. Yeah, yeah, very very well spoken, and um, but yeah, to call him boy was very offensive. And why the Congressional Black Caucus? has not come out and, and, and made a, a statement, you know, rebuking him and, you know, and, and, and letting them know that they will not tolerate that kind of stuff is beyond me. But uh, the NACP, well, they didn't come out. Say boy to his face because the guy's built like a fire plug. Yeah, yeah. It See, would, it would not go well. Yeah, yeah. All of those are to mock black people to their face. I, I also attended the uh, commencement of Howard University. I was there. My goddaughter graduated, top of her class. And um, I'm in the crowd. And when I hear him say that the greatest threat to this country is white supremacy, what people don't understand is that he was speaking of himself. <laughs> and, and, and I was so proud because there were some black students at Howard that were protesting him. They actually had signs up saying that they care. Him and Kamala care nothing about the black community. So I was really proud to see that. But again, like I said, some people are waking up. It's 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 a little slow pace. It's not as fast as we would like it, but they are waking up to the Joe Biden and his current administration. No question about it. Now, I agree. Joe Biden is suffering with dementia, probably in stage five dementia at the moment. But here's what here's what I get out of the LLJ cool J boy comment. <laughs> You didn't respect your audience mm -hmm. and you didn't respect that performer yeah. enough to just make sure I've got this right. That's right. I've got a teleprompter. I'm surrounded by support people. We know the guy works from, from three by five note cards all the time. You can't convince me that somebody couldn't have flashed up LL Cool J somewhere in that building that he could yeah. spread LL Cool J. And I'm sure Boy wasn't a part of that. That came from Joe. That wasn't the case. And he did catch himself. Uh, a boy, a boy, I mean, I mean, I mean, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Joe, you, you've been up to this for many, many years, Joe. <laughs> you just you didn't care enough. That's right. To make sure that you respected this audience and this performer. It wasn't important to you. Yeah. So well, you know, to add to what you're saying too, when I was at that commencement and he made that 
uh, statement about white supremacy being our greatest threat of this country. He literally came out and told in front of a crowd of beautiful black folks all over this arena. He said that he wasn't just saying that because he was at a black HBCU. And I'm like, is there any other? <laughs> of course, there's an HBCU. Well, historically, black college and university. Right. But I mean, he said, I'm not just saying that because I'm here. Well, no, Joe, that's just what you do. You, you mock black people to their face. And unfortunately, they're brainwashed enough to still support you. And uh, but I, again, like I said, I think there's enough um, of people that are turning this thing around. They're waking up to the fact that these are people that care absolutely nothing about black people. And quite honest, they care absolutely nothing about America. He didn't pull his hot sauce out. No, no, no. So I mean, we, no, he didn't pull the hot sauce back on that one. He did not whip out a bottle of hot sauce out of his purse. <laughs> He didn't tell those black people, I know you're going to eat chicken after commencement. He didn't say that either. <laughs> so continuing with Biden for a minute. Biden has decided after over 100 years, mm -hmm. he is going to withdraw his name from the New Hampshire presidential primary. <clears throat> mm. Now, the reason is because historically, the two primaries that are held in the United States is New Hampshire and the Iowa caucus. Mm -hmm. The Democrats have decided that they're going to boycott those two events. Mm -hmm. and they're going to call the South Carolina primary the first primary. Wow. I believe the reason for that is because mm -hmm. Biden's showing in those two primaries is going to be so devastating. Yeah that they're worried that the momentum of him just going down in flames. That's right. Carry into the other primaries. Do you agree with that? I agree 100%. And why South Carolina? Well, let's not forget that Jim exactly. Jim, Jim Clyburn uh, and his posse in South Carolina, um, quite frankly, they carried it. You know, they, they helped push him over that threshold um, years ago to get the nomination to be their presidential candidate. And what a mistake that was, by the way. It is not a coincidence that they're looking to Jim Clyburn in South Carolina to start their momentum. That's right. That's right. Because that's who he was dead in the water until Clyburn stepped in. That's right. That's right. So I think that's why they're going to boycott these. But imagine that a, a sitting U.S. president is withdrawing his name from a primary. Yeah, that's crazy. Does Joe yeah. Biden hate America? Um, he says he doesn't, um, but his actions say, speak louder than what he's saying. Um, I, I think ultimately it's not just him. I think it's um, another group around him as well. They hate everything, the very fabric of America and what we stand for, and that is freedom. And um, and the, the, this notion that we could be free enough to you know, voice our own opinions and our own positions on things without, you know, going unchecked, you know, uh, uh, that we can, as Americans, thrive without the help of the government. Um, to some people, like himself and his, and his posse, um, that, that infuriates them for some reason because that lo they lose power when we do that. And so, so anyway, that's unfortunate. But hating America, I would say he hate everything. I mean, based on their actions, they hate everything we stand for because it will guarantee that we don't need them. Joe Biden is 
pushing billions and billions into Ukraine with no supervision. Yeah. He has funneled probably $80 billion into Iran. Mm -hmm. He has now lifted sanctions on Venezuela. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can come away with is, one, he loves communism and dictators. Yeah. And two, is he trying to bankrupt the U.S. economy to make us maybe dependent on the World Bank? But yeah. Trying to bankrupt this country. Because, I mean, we're, what are we at, 32 trillion now, the deficit? Yeah. 36 yeah, trillion? 32 or 33, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, and he wants to just keep spending money by the trillions. Yeah. And they're printing it. They were printing it during inflation, my dear. <laughs> so whatever gains that Americans have made, they didn't make none at all. We're thirty-three and a half trillion. Wow! Which comes out to how much, man? Is that like two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars each and every person in the country owes? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, almost three hundred thousand. So we all owe three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and some of us have paid our three hundred, and some of us don't have the ability to pay our three hundred, but. It appears that he hates America and loves dictators. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. One of the biggest signs to myself and many others uh, is when you shut down a pipeline, when you take away our um, energy independence, that was a big sign of what direction that we were headed in at that point, because now it creates this dependency on the world. So you shut down our ability to be independent on, on the energy front, and then you go buy it somewhere else. Makes no sense to me. So that was a big, I think that was a big flag uh, that the American people was supposed to really take note of in what direction we were going to head from that point. And, and here we are. We know that we know that Iran is the financial core and the management of Hezbollah mm -hmm. and Hamas mm -hmm. and on top of that, we have had 14, in the past two weeks, we've had 14 missile strikes on U.S. Uh, installations in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. We know that they are the source behind trying to kill every single last Jew in the world. Mm -hmm. And the strongest statement that we just recently got from... Um, I, Secretary Blinken? Yes, I always refer to him as A. Blinken. Just <laughs> <laughs> initial, A. Blinken. And A. Blinken's very flat, unemotional statement was, well, Iran needs to know that, you know, if Iran t attacks us directly, we'll defend ourselves. Mm -hmm. So... Iran, we won't do anything to you. We'll make sure you have money. We'll keep funneling all this to you. As long mm -hmm. as you blow up other people and you don't try to launch an attack on the mainland of the United States, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to let you go. We're going to we're just we're going to go along with that. If, if you're the president of China, do you just go take Taiwan right now? Well, tell you the truth, um, I think they're getting closer to making that call, and I think that's why. This whole breakout in the Middle East uh, was very strategic because now you have multiple different fronts. But one thing they counted on was the fact that if we create this 
you know, uh, chaos in the Middle East, we know that the United States being their ally is going to divert a lot of their attention to that now. Um, even though we're still channeling money to the Ukraine, you know, with no transparency at all of where that money's going, but yet let's now <clears throat> create this chaos here because we know that will get the America's attention and then that way it'll lighten up. So yeah, so if I am a Chi and I'm, and I'm saying that I want to take hold of Taiwan, this would be the time to act. And so there are many of us that are praying against this, that um, a lot of these different war fronts are happening. We're really praying against it, that it does not escalate to where um, to, uh, to where they would like to take it. But but yeah, if, if, if thinking strategically, if I am, if that is my ultimate goal, this is a time now while America is looking to be a little bit weak and very, having very little um, strong leadership at this point. Use my Kamala Harris style of explaining things. So Kamala Harris always talks to everybody like they're in second grade, mm -hmm. which is like, well, that's not insulting. Being a moron is talking to me like I'm in second grade. <laughs> so I always try to explain it as a very evil and corrupt country called Russia. Yeah. Aided their neighbor which is also an evil and corrupt country. Yeah, that's true. Ukraine, and now two very corrupt countries are fighting over this land. Yeah. Should we be on the side of Ukraine? Probably. I think that makes sense because two bad countries shouldn't, they, there's still not a reason to invade each other. Yeah, that's true. Recognize Ukraine has been one of the most politically corrupt countries in the world. That's right. Just be dumping billions of dollars in there, literally out of helicopters. You have to know that it's not going for what it was intended. That's right. It's not going for what it's intended. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, we're supposed to be starving Israel from any support that we might give them. Israel, who is an, who is literally the only democracy in the Middle East. That's right. We're supposed to starve them out. Mm -hmm. How to make sense out of this is is beyond any anything that any reasonable person can ever come to. Sure. I want to ask you a last question. We are we have millions of people pouring across the border. Yeah. First off, America is such a racist, bigoted, irredeemable <laughs> country. Yeah. Why is everybody coming this way? Why, why, why aren't Americans bailing over the Rio Grande to get to Mexico since this place is so awful? Yeah. Well, the only people that's really saying that we're awful are those who are here and those who hate us, of course. But, um, but it's interesting. They see us, again, they see an opportunity to destroy everything that we stand for. And quite honest, I think the administration now, the reason why we don't see um, our borders being protected, which is really the first priority of any government is to protect its citizens. Um, my only conclusion would be, well, because they need another servant class. Uh, another group is, has, is starting to waken up to their foolishness and, 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 and their absolute failure. So now they need another servant class to come in to be dependent upon them. And that's why they're guaranteeing. Now, get a, get a load of this. So they come in illegally, but then now you and your administration guarantees them money. 
taxpayer money from legal citizens, which has been asking for support for decades. So, so this is all strategic. This is all planned out. Uh, and thanks be to God that some of these people are waking up and they're seeing the truth for what it is and that this administration has failed us miserably. I've seen veteran groups moved out of housing. Yeah. They can yeah. aliens back in that housing. Yeah. People who, who gave up their time and risked their life to defend our country mm -hmm. on the street so that people who illegally break into our country have a place to live. That's right. Very disgraceful. Should never happen. There's millions of people coming across. The majority of them get to the border and they surrender because if I surrender, you're going to give me free food and medical care and money and a bus ticket. Yeah, that's right. But hundreds of thousands of them are called gotaways that the Border Patrol didn't catch. Mm-hmm. The, the reason these people are gotaways is because they can't surrender themselves. Right. Because they are either criminals or they are terrorists. That's right. That's right. Now, we have recently encountered almost 200 terrorists at the... Yeah. How many terrorists did we not encounter at the border? True. Knowing that we do that, we only capture a small percentage. That's right. Got away. Yeah. Question to you is: Do you believe that Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, ISIS, Boko Haram, all of these groups, do you believe that those entities right now have? operatives and sleeper cells inside the borders of the United States. And do you, what do you think is the possibility that Iran will either use them to threaten us if we mm -hmm. are to do anything to Iran or that Iran will activate these cells and start launching attacks within our own borders? Yeah. You know what, Mark, you're absolutely right. It's very likely that that is what's actually happening. And so, again, that's why we need um, that's why we need a border. That's why we need our border secure. That's why we need the wall. That's why we need uh, more forces on the ground. That's why we need the technology and infrastructure to make for sure that no more are actually creeping in. But uh, I'm with you. I believe that some have probably already gotten in. And um, when we look at what's happening now in the Middle East, the uprisal in support of Hamas um, lets us further know that it's probably uh, it's probably likely that some of those who are gotaways are here for nefarious reasons, and so um, so this is why we need to get true restore true law and order in this country, and um, that's not going to happen until we get this current administration out. As the innocent attack by Hamas on Israelis, literally going into their homes and killing their grandmas and. Mm -hmm. Has, is there any chance that this has sent the anti-Second Amendment crowd in our country backward? Has this, has this kind of made Americans think twice about not having guns in their house? You know what? I was thinking the same exact thing, you know. Uh, and I also told someone this. I said, it seems to me that the only people that are truly exercising their right to keep and bear arms are criminals. 
<laughs> they're not asking for permission. They're not registering no firearms. They're not going to any classes and uh, buying your little, you know, uh, permits. They're just going to buy. They're getting their firearms and they're they're strapping themselves. And so I think some people are starting to rethink that, sir. You're absolutely right. And they should be. I'm I'm so encouraged by a poll that came out a couple of weeks ago. And the poll showed that 68% of Americans believe that Joe Biden did illegal activities in regards to his son, Hunter. Mm -hmm. And I think 95% of the media is running cover for this guy. Yeah. Saying there's zero evidence of this from <laughs> every, every microphone they can find. And yet 68% of the American people still are getting it right. Yeah. I find that encouraging that no matter how much they, how much social media and media they control, the truth is finding its way into the public. Now, if we had an honest media, that 68% would look like 98%. Yeah. But the fact that it's 68%, I think is amazing, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. And uh, remember the vast majority of those of those people uh, did say that in the last election, you know, they would have changed their votes had they known all of these nefarious acts of his son, you know what I mean, from the get up. So you're absolutely right. I think the media plays a big role in suppressing the truth uh, to the American people. So, yeah, so that is that is um, uh, a very good thing that 68 percent of them now have awakened, realized like, Wow, man, he really has done this stuff. And, you know, because you couldn't tell somebody who had just common sense that if I'm the vice president, there's no way in the world that I'm not knowing that my son, who is addicted to drugs or whatever, living a normal life supposedly, is over in Ukraine sitting on the board uh, of a company he has no experience for. You can't tell me you had no <laughs> no impact on that. Every American knows that that's that's. That's not so. It, it doesn't pass the test. And now we see that Jim Biden wrote him a check for $200,000. That's right. Which happened to be directly tied to the same week. Yeah. That the Chinese wrote a large check to him. That's right. And then we have that Biden paid $2.75 million for his home. The week after Hunter WhatsApp the Chinese saying, I'm sitting here with my father. Yeah. Between the people he knows and my ability to hold a grudge, you will regret not paying me. Mm -hmm. The following week, Biden shows up with $2.75 in cash. Cash money. To buy a luxury uh, summer home. And we are to believe these are all coincidences. Mm -hmm. But we're also supposed to believe that Donald Trump has been giving people secret dog whistles, <laughs> secret racial racist dog whistles telling people to to do nefarious things. So that we're supposed to believe, but we're not supposed to believe that the guy showed up with $3 million in cash a week after his son was extorting the Chinese. Tell us about your podcast. Uh, my podcast um, in the classroom, it was 
a podcast that I had launched uh, a little over a year ago um, in the classroom with Mr. Todd. It's actually on Spotify. You can go there and um, listen to the episodes. And I actually have to uh, actually add more episodes this year. But anyway, it really focuses on politics, uh, American culture, faith, education, um, and just dealing with everyday things that we as a nation is dealing with or even as a world is dealing with. And so I kind of speak to some of those things that are going on right now in the world and in our country. And um, so whatever comes up, whatever the hot topic is, that's what I usually try to address. Well, folks, I'm going to suggest you go do that. I'm also suggest you go to the show notes and find the link to Terrace Todd's book, Just Being There. And we'll also have social media. We'll have a social media connections there where you can find that. Terrace Todd, you have been an absolute delight. I am uh, so happy you've been on the show. And Thank you. I hope that you will come back and visit us again in the future. I would love to. That would be amazing. Uh, folks, go to the show notes and you'll be able to find all the information on Terrace Todd. Uh, just go to the uh, Blunt Force Truth episode with Terrace Todd's name on it. And if you like today's show, make sure that you go to wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star review. Because we like the five-star review. Always five-star. Yeah. yeah, always. <laughs> Five-star's not terrible, but no, no four-star. No four but we'd prefer a five-star review. So go and leave us a five-star review. And that's it for this week on Blunt Force Truth. We will see you next week.